Crow's Nest. Today I'm going to be talking to M and Jane, who together make up Camp Lovesick, which is a duo who I have known for a little while, designed and built their own bus, and then took it on a nine-month road trip. And since they've been home, they have started a new business renovating and selling campers and RVs using the knowledge and passion that they found when they started their bus. So this episode was recorded on April 28th, which is a little bit ago, and it was recorded during the beginning of the renovation journey that they started for their most recent project. And as of the time of this episode, that project has now just finished. This episode was probably one of my favorites so far to record, so I'm very excited to share it with you. I don't think it needs much introduction, so let's just get into it. It's super awesome to have you guys on. Thank you so much for coming. This is actually really exciting for me because I have followed your journey at least for the past like year. Wow! Yeah, it was so fun. I realized who you guys were when I started working at the tool library as a summer student and Steph was telling me about you. She was like, yeah, these ladies, they're fixing up a bus and they're going on a honeymoon with it. And I was like, well, that sounds like the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and it was just like this awesome push for me to get my own bus because it was like, wow, like people are doing this with tools that I see every single day at yeah. work. I have to be able to do it too. So do you have your own bus too? I do, yeah. Oh my gosh. So amazing. So a shorty, right? I think it's the I, same size as yours. Amazing. I apologize. I am not the social media yeah, person. Jane's literally never on social media. I just tell her about things. So <laughs> I'm maybe asking questions and you're like, wow, they don't care about me at all. <laughs> no, I knew you had a bus. I just uh, did not convey that. on. <laughs> That's totally okay. I am no good at social media either. I have like five Instagrams and I never post on any of them. <laughs> but it's quantity, right? Not quality. That's what it they yeah. yeah. As long as I have a lot of Instagrams, people will pay attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so how did your bus journey begin? So it started with M being very obsessed with watching tiny home YouTube videos online and just both of us just watching more and more of these videos. And then we moved to Guelph and got into a library membership and we built one shelf using pieces that were already cut from the hardware store. Because we never use a saw, so <laughs> why that's dangerous. And we went to the tool library. We're so excited to hear about it. Yeah. We got it out a drill. Yes. Well, I had to ask them, like, does this drill go through wood? Like, I literally had no <laughs> idea. And then we got the drill, and then... These metal pieces. Metal cutters. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. like, yeah, metal cutter. And then... That was it? That was literally it. Like, two tools. Went home and then made this shelf by just, like, drilling holes through the wood that was pre-cut and then sliding these metal rods for the shelves to sit on. And, like, didn't even let Jane use the drill because I'm not controlling. And was like, no, it's dangerous, Jane. <laughs> this drill will hurt you. And so we did that. Yeah, yeah we built that the shelf. The shelf was a little wobbly, but to be honest, we were quite sure from there that we were woodworking masters. And we just had the confidence to literally build anything. Because we were like, hey, I just built this shelf that one time. Let's build a tiny home. A hilarious jump. But honestly, I think it was like just a turning point of being like, we had never built anything before. We just decided because we moved into this apartment the day that we moved in, there was no closets. We needed some form of shelving. So we built this 
you know, this shelf to be the size of our whole one wall, multiple layers for all of our books and coats and stuff. And then we just were like, hey, earlier today, we didn't have anything here. We had no storage. And now the storage exists all because we just decided we were going to do it. We drew up what we wanted and then we built it. And while we only used a drill to do it, it just gave us the confidence to know that we could figure it out in the future Mm -hmm. and know that if we dream up something bigger, we'll figure out how to get it there. We'll, We'll figure out how to use a saw or what have you that we need to learn how to use. But while the bus journey really began from the Guelph Tool Library. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And having access to those tools and not needing to invest in in anything, not even a drill, which is like 40 bucks. Like, Mm -hmm. but we didn't we didn't have a single tool. And so it really started from from the tool library, knowing that we could have access to like an angle grinder. What's an angle grinder? Well, if you build a bus, you need that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, these are now all tools we own. But just because we were renting them out every single week. But, you know, at the time it was essential. Having something like the tool library there makes it so much more accessible because there's that thought of, oh, there's nothing stopping me now. You know, like I I have the tools available to me. I have all of the supplies right there. All I have to do is go out there and build it. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like the tool libraries opened up so many doors to us. And it just like really lowered the risk in terms of cost like if it didn't work out we'd lose the price of the wood but it's not as though which was you know thirty dollars like it doesn't it doesn't make it as scary going Mm -hmm. into it but it's that sort of like that first step of like well I did it you know I didn't die and you don't want to invest in tools if you don't know if you're gonna like it like maybe we're gonna buy the drill buy the bolt cutters etc and then build the shelf and be like wow, one, that is the worst shelf and like the most disgusting thing. I don't want it in my home. And two, I hated the process. You know what I mean? Like you don't know how it's going to be when you haven't even tried out a new hobby yet. So it's a good way to just test it. And I mean, even still, like the only reason why we just went and bought a few of our own tools is just because we can't access the Guelph Tool Library right now. And we're in the middle of a build. But like, we wouldn't have bought any yeah, of these tools if we could still use the tool library during COVID. We, we're still dependent on it. It's mm. not just because it was the beginning. Yeah. Definitely got us started, but we still would be using it every single week if we were able to at this at this time. That's honestly so nice to hear. So what were you guys doing before you found Marilyn? Well, before that, yeah, we, we were, were already in Guelph because mm-hmm. we had built the shelf. Yes. We decided, okay... I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade here. I was very passionate about it. And Jane was like saying yes, because she was like, this is never going to happen. Like, that's such a lofty, ridiculous goal and dream to have. So she was just being supportive, thinking that I was going to pull out before before it was real. Yeah. And so so we kind of she was letting me daydream, you know, it was a daydream and she was letting me daydream. But before that, Emily was a teacher. So she was teaching grade two and yeah I think at the time kindergarten but yeah yeah. kindergarten grade two and I'm a writer so I was just working from home and working on a book and writing soulless articles for a cleaning and senior home care company (laughs) how fun make that money (laughs) we were just daydreaming and daydreaming and Jane was like okay yeah and I I don't know I'm going on Kijiji on Facebook marketplace like wherever you can to just look for school buses to see like well how much money would we need to save in order to do something like this 
and we created a budget. So we'd have to save in this next year this amount of money in order to do it. And we like had it in our minds that we were going to do it. But I think until we went and saw our first school bus, and even after we saw our first school bus, it still was like, wait, is this a daydream or is this actually going to happen? Because that seemed a little real when we pulled up to see this first school bus and are trying to talk about spring leaves and whatever weird other bus parts we Googled on the way there to make it seem like we knew what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that they, we felt like they couldn't push us around. And I don't know, then when we were driving home, like you were just saying to me, you're like, I can't believe that this is actually going to be yeah. happening. And Jane jokes all the time that even still, I'm still not sure that we're going to go through with it or not. And, you know, we've owned the bus for two years now, so <laughs> still doesn't even feel real. Mm. And we lived in it for nine months. And yeah. like, I can see it right now. What was the most difficult aspect of the bus renovation? I think for us, it was just the fact that we had such a little amount of time to do the renovation. Because Emily is a teacher, we just were renovating it over the summer months. But then the bus ended up needing a bit of mechanical repair and then just kind of one thing led to another and our mechanic wasn't able to uh, he went into surgery because something happened to his leg but the bus like had pieces removed from it when he went into surgery so we had to wait like three weeks for him to like recover from the surgery to put the piece back in and he was the only person who could do it oh Oh my my gosh gosh, it was chaos so basically the two months became what three and a half weeks yeah like 20 days I think that we had to build our entire bus so they were like long days I would not recommend building anything under this pressure of kind of waking up and starting at 8 a.m and going until 10 p.m I remember like we would work on it and then we would know it was lunchtime because we'd start to feel dizzy and oh we're like gosh. oh we'd look at the clock yeah it's like 1 30 you haven't eaten since 8 and then we'd go and eat and then get back out at, like after 10 minutes of eating. And then again would work until we were feeling like we dizzy and con- disoriented. And then be like, oh, it's 8 p.m. And then we'd eat dinner and then we'd work until we were feeling exhausted. Mm-hmm. It'd be 10 p.m. And then we'd, we'd go have to bed. like spotlights on us, like Emily's parents' Christmas lights strung around the bus for lighting as we like carried on doing the yeah because we hadn't installed the lights or the solar or anything by that point and it was wild and then we had to create this rule that like once you entered the bedroom you weren't allowed to talk about the bus because we needed at least 30 <laughs> minutes a day where we weren't talking about it because yeah. otherwise our dreams were just so messed up for that like month because we were yeah. only thinking about the build it was just like it was a weird alternate universe it was oh very bizarre. Goodness. Yeah, you, it seems like you really, like, suffered for this dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. It was fun. But, I mean, I guess because of the time frame, like, the issue being that obviously heightened our stress levels. And then, you know, just we weren't as pleasant to each other as we normally are because we knew that there was a deadline. We knew that at the end, now so much of our time has been eaten up by this mechanic but we only have until, you know, September 4th, my first day of school. Mm-hmm. And after that, we have to put the bus in storage. 
And then the following summer, we were getting married and immediately leaving on our honeymoon. So it had to be done by yeah. September 4th. That was that. So that obviously heightened our stress because it's the longer you take on this thing, it might mean you might not be able to build that thing. And when we had only built a shelf one time, we had know. a lot of time just like figuring out how how to build to do things. I mean, there were many days where we'd be sitting just on the floor googling how to use a saw <laughs> no, <laughs> circular not. saw not even which kind that was the hardest part of the yeah, definitely. thing just the time mm-hmm. and the stress that that put on yeah is there anything that you had to sacrifice to make that intense time crunch i would say I, what do you think i think like some of our like relationships with other people suffer oh, yeah. in that time. I would say that, I think like, we prioritize the bus. We, we said we, we're getting done what we want yeah. done. It doesn't matter that we have yeah. 20 days now. Yeah, exactly. So it's like there so are bus like, wise, you yeah. know, birthday parties that we missed yeah. and things like that that just, you know, we kind of neglected all of our friends and family for the entire bus. Well, though. no. We would see our friends and family if they came over and helped us with the bus. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm doing to everyone now. Yeah, it's like the only time my best friend who would just come over and make us dinner at, like, we were building at my parents' house. My parents weren't here for that summer. And so we were house sitting. And she would come over, bring groceries, make us dinner, serve us dinner because she knew that that was the only way she would hang, be able to hang out with us. And then, like, sit and just watch us while we worked and chat while we were working. We'd all have dinner together and then do the dishes. And that's where we would see her. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> That's pretty big sacrifice mm-hmm. to have to put our friends through that yeah. and put those relationships through that. I mean, in the end, they all made it through. Our relationships yeah. are really strong, yeah, but that was definitely a sacrifice mm-hmm. for sure. Good call. <laughs> Got some good friends. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. We like to think we're still nice to them, but you know. I know. We had other friends. It was probably like 35 degrees out and they were coming and helping us rip out our bus seat. That was and, wild. You know, probably 10 people came and helped us paint. It was definitely a community effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which made it special. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm doing for my bus right now. I actually feel bad for my boyfriend right now. I found him and he's actually pretty useful, so I'm just putting him into so much work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't have any of these skills, but now that I have you, I can have bigger plants. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. But also you can develop those skills. Like you see him do it one time, honestly. Like you just have to try. Like that's what I think the thing was. Since neither of us had the skills, we were just like, well, I guess we'll figure it out. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. We messed up plenty. Like there's still some things in our bus we need to fix before we go, you know, further with it or sell it or do whatever next steps are, which we don't really know where we're going with it yet. But, you know, when we built our bed frame, which was the first thing we built after our floors and our walls, there was one leg that was just shorter than the other because we like weren't that great at using saws yet. And we just call it our emergency backup leg. Just in Amazing. case the other legs break, that one will catch us. But it hangs like an inch off of the ground. Like it doesn't <laughs> even touch the ground. So it's, you know, you just, you learn, you yeah. figure it out. Figure some of it out, but. Yeah, for Oh, sure. you will. It's like raising the roof for me, like welding and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, like, yeah. that's yeah, all I do. Honestly, now I'm just like, eh, if the Guelph Tool Library had welding stuff, I'd do it. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to go buy a welder, but, you know. I would rent a welder. I don't think our insurance would ever let us. 
Yeah, that is a very good point, yeah. Good point. So Marilyn's sort of, like, beginning journey was actually your honeymoon, right? Right. How was that? How? I mean, congratulations, first of all. Thank you. How how was the honeymoon? Well, technically, we're supposed to still be on it, so that's a bit of a bummer. But, you know, I guess also a 14-month honeymoon is a little luxe, so not we shouldn't really be complaining. Yeah. So our plan, was was, our plan was that after we got married last June, we'd kind of go on this 14-month-long trip to August 2020. And so that we, 14-months just comes from me being a teacher, so you can't really take, like, four months off of teaching, so it's you know, you get your summer months, but you either take a year off of teaching or you work the year of teaching. You don't, you can't go halfway in the middle. So it was like, okay, well, let's just take the year off of teaching plus the two summers on either side that equals 14 months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where that time frame began. Yeah. But I mean, it was a fantastic trip. We, it was definitely a learning curve yeah. of, there is definitely a difference between kind of building something and imagining how yeah. you'll use it and how it works versus actually being out on the road and saying, oh, this isn't working as well as I thought it would. Or, oh, this is actually like so great. Or, oh, I don't need this at all. So, Or even just in terms of like traveling for that long mm-hmm. in general, you're thinking it's going to be one thing, but in the end it isn't, you know? And I think the world of social media changes that a lot in that it really romanticizes traveling and romanticizes all these things. And I'm like, it's beautiful and wonderful. And I loved the nine months that we got to travel in our bus, but in the end, it wasn't what we pictured. It was different than what we pictured. It wasn't what Instagram makes it out to be. However, it was hella fun. We had a great time, but we also cried a bunch, you know, like, it's just like, Life doesn't stop when you travel that long. And maybe like when regular couples go on regular, you know, eight day honeymoons to Cancun or something, maybe life does feel like it stops because for those eight days, you have zero responsibilities. You're at this all inclusive resort. You don't even make your own food, whatever. But like our honeymoon started, we're exhausted because we just got married. I finished my last full year of teaching. Well, I guess technically first full year of teaching. Uh, (laughs) We what else did we do we moved out of our house from Guelph moved into the bus hit the road drove to places we've never been to you know two weeks later after all this stuff has happened we're in the middle of you know where were we Nova Scotia yeah and we're just like oh my god I'm exhausted what just happened because meanwhile, we're not having chefs prepare us food and do these things like we're shitting in buckets and then having to clean it up. Like, you know, there's just the reality of life doesn't change. We're still trying to, you know, make sure we don't run out of gas and groceries aren't going bad in our small cooler that we have. And we're eating healthy enough because this isn't going to be eight days. This is you know, a year, you can't just eat whatever you want every single meal on regular honeymoon. And I think because of that, we were kind of thinking this is not a sprint. You know, this is the full marathon here. We took away some of the romantic, beautiful things that come with a standard honeymoon. But as bad as losing those aspects are, we gained so much more. The fact is that after the eight days, we're still, you know, nine and three quarter months in. Like we still have so much more time 
to live and to be together and to to be on this journey. So it was a give and take, which makes it like conflicting. But I think you said it best. Like it definitely was a learning curve. Yeah. We got into the groove after I'd say what, like three weeks a month Mm -hmm. of being on the road. We started to figure it out and figure out what we had to be worried about, what those random ticking noises are when you're driving. Is it going to burst? You know, what do we have to be concerned about and what don't we? And how to manage everything and how to live in such a tiny space. And once we got into that, we were just cruising. Mm-hmm. And then it was eight months of bliss. Those random ticking noises are actually terrifying. I know. So scary. <laughs> so scary. You're just right. driving down the road. Oh. A lot of like things that we didn't think we needed to secure. And then we'd be going around a curve and then like a door would just slam open, things like that. We had to figure a whole bunch out when we were already on the road and no longer had our beloved tool library to help us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Out on your own. Yeah, Gorilla Glue does wonders. Let me just say that. You brought up an interesting point comparing just the way Instagram and the tiny home living sort of like social media culture portrays. And and I don't think they do it purposefully, but it's just so not realistic. Mm -hmm. Oh, I 100% think they do it purposefully. But here's why. Okay, here's why. (laughs) If I post a happy photo of Jane and I smiling at each other, looking in love, even though we literally just fought like five seconds prior, and I say, we're getting out there, we're living tiny to see the world or something along those lines that sounds romantic and beautiful. And like living in this small space is allowing us to see what we want to see and experience the dream. Like it will get exponentially more engagement than anything other that is more real so but, it's just price, it's rewarding people for acting in that behavior because that's what people want to see they want but, to be believe in this dream that it's beautiful but i think also a lot of people ourselves included really recognize the fact that this is like such an enormous privilege to be able yeah. to travel like this and see the world like this and so it does feel like you're being the biggest asshole in the world if you are kind of like complaining on social media and like oh woe is me I'm like freezing my butt off in a Walmart tonight when it's like but today I got to see the Grand Canyon and now I might be like you know a little bit hungry because all of my food went bad but it's like in the grand scheme of things like we're kind of living the best life there is to live yeah we chose we chose to have that life because and, we were privileged. Yeah. And it's like, who who am I to complain? So I think that's kind of part yeah. of why, like, you don't see the real negative side of things. Because it's like, you just look like an asshole. Then it just also promotes you acting in that way. Because you're getting so much more engagement. And if you're trying to be successful in social media, it's all about getting engagement. Yeah. It's definitely not as interesting when yeah, uh, people are sure. talking about their lives and their buses where and they're not perfect and it's like come on like my life isn't perfect you're supposed to be out there in the bus having fun yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. It's, true. Uh-huh. it's true I almost find it a little bit disappointing though that most youtubers can't really portray that realistic mm-hmm. version of bus life because so many people are coming to them for advice or just for inspiration yeah and, it's true yeah to have it be so just not really what's out there it makes it really hard for people to you know start up and 
actually start those dreams, which is disappointing. Yeah, for sure. it's true. And we had an interesting experience. We were in Orlando and we were at a tiny house festival. So basically it was just a whole bunch of people with school oh, yeah. buses and vans and things point. like that who were displaying their tiny homes for the public. So we were invited. Yeah, so we were invited to show our bus as well. And while we were there, about maybe 300 meters from the entrance of the festival, our bus broke down. And we like... For the first time, too. It had broken down yet in the trip. And we had just basically like limped it across the gates and into the spot. And we knew that... We didn't know what was wrong with it, but we knew we'd have to get it towed out of there. It smelled horrible and was screeching. We were was, stuck. Yeah, we were stuck there. It was like a really hot, terrible weekend. It was four we'd days where having, we couldn't even leave. Yeah, we'd been having problems with our solar panels before that. And we were just like needed a break from this tiny house lifestyle. However, then we're at this tiny house festival and people are saying, so do you love it? Do you love living in the bus and traveling around? And it's just so Or like, hard. so your life's the dream, yeah. right? <laughs> and it's just so hard to like... You don't want to disappoint Yeah, them. I feel like people kind of expect a certain answer from you when it comes to those things. Like you, they have, you know, they paid like $20 or whatever to come to this festival to see people kind of living their dreams. And you don't want to kind of disappoint them or tell them what they're not asking to hear and it almost felt in some ways like we couldn't fully be honest with the people Mm -hmm. because they would just be like oh if we were to have honest conversations with these people in the end we still would have been encouraging them to do this and to go in this tiny house lifestyle and yeah pursue their dreams if this is their dreams but you know it's also not for everyone yeah and I think that like it was weird. That was a weird four yeah. days to have to be so fakely chipper when we were just not having a good time. And I think also it is a matter of kind of vulnerability and what you want to share with complete strangers yeah. is the good other point. thing. It's like kind of it is disappointing to see like people on YouTube not describing that but it's also like I don't want to tell like a stranger that I'm having a bad day I kind of just want to like live my life like it's kind of the you know when the person at the grocery store says hey how are you you don't want to say oh I'm so I'm having a bad day ask. today <laughs> a terrible day. can I talk to you about my mom <laughs> it's like almost this like weird like expectation that's like broader than the YouTube community and just like our entire society is like you're kind of expected to like put on a happy face and be positive even if like your bus broke down and you literally live in this field in Orlando now because you don't know what you're going to (laughs) yeah and I mean in the end to conclude that story like in the end it ended up being like an $80 thing we used CAA to tow it for free like it really wasn't that dramatic but for those four days we were, you know, sandwiched between other tiny homes and we actually blocked in another tiny home, the tiny home that was behind us. They couldn't leave until we got towed out. Well, we couldn't get towed out until 400 other tiny homes left. So it's like, you know, here we are nine hours after the event was supposed to end and we're still waiting for tiny homes to leave so that we could get the tow truck in. Like it was disastrous, but in the end, it was no big deal. Mm, yeah. If we if that happened to us now, we probably could change it just on the side of the road. Yeah. But yeah. you never know beforehand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perspective unfortunately doesn't come before the before the issue's yeah. over. I have to ask, what was the part and why did it smell bad? So the what's it called? The ball? 
Oh, the bearings <laughs> of the... Oh, we're, we're, oh, we're, we're months out of this now. We, if you asked us months ago, we would have been able to impress you right there. The, the, the widgety thingamabill. No, wheel bearing. No, what no. is it? The iron something. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Something Okay, broke. some the bearings in one of the... I can describe it. Yeah. It's one of the, like, pulleys that acts around the serpentine belt. Okay, and yeah. And it's, like, this little thing that spins, and it just helps that keep the serpentine belt taut so that it spins. Well, it broke. There's little bearings, the little metal spheres. They went everywhere. It sounded like a tin can getting shot inside of our bus. It was horrifying. And then because of that, the serpentine belt was still going around, but it was just going on the bolt that holds uh. fully. So it like really shredded up our serpentine belt, which was the smell of that rubber burning interlaced with metal fibers. So it's the mm-hmm. rubber and the metal. So thankfully, we were able to park the bus before the serpentine belt fully broke. Because if they do fully break and you drive it, you know, excessively or you, you drive it really at all with it fully broken, the importance of the serpentine belt is that it controls and it spins your fan to cool your engine. So your engine will overheat and you could potentially blow the whole thing. So mm-hmm. thankfully, like we turned off the bus, you know, right at the exact last possible second we could before it yeah. broke further and it really wasn't it was just replacing that one pulley idler pulley idler pulley uh, Iron amazing pulley. idler pulley yeah it was the idler pulley and the serpentine belt there you go but so it's like 80 dollars of parts mm-hmm. literally nothing but yeah you don't know that at the time you just hear a weird smell the bus won't turn on and you feel very trapped with 400 strangers around you yeah <laughs> asking mm-hmm. how much you love your life Aren't you having so much fun? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you've been moving on to YouTube for your new business venture, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, how's that so going? We're creating campers now, trailers. We're flipping them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's really fun. Like we definitely got the building bug. I mean, as early as that shelf and it just yeah. kind of took over our lives. But we built that shelf, built the bus, and as stressful as it was, we just loved it. Like, we loved the whole build, and we were just, you know, being on the road for this amount of time, we did start to make friends with other tiny home people and a lot of other schooly people, especially. And, you know, that made us have the building bug even more because now we're in all these other people's places, and we're seeing their innovations and we're going like oh my gosh I wish we did that here or I wish we tried this there and you know we're not going to take apart our whole bus because it's beautiful and we love it the way it is but what we will do is buy a camper you know put all of these great tiny home innovations and ideas that we have into turning you know an old camper into this modern and beautiful space to hopefully sell down the road so that we now don't just own also a camper (laughs) (laughs) we wanted to record videos we were tempted to record videos during our bus build just because we so depended on those videos to figure out what on earth we were doing and where we were going with it so we wanted to kind of give back and and create more content for this community we were part of but, you know, that 20-day build, we did not have any excess energy to create YouTube videos. So now that we're flipping this camper and we're, you know, not on a 20-day time crunch, but we're on a do-it-until-you-think-it's-done time crunch, we have the time to make YouTube videos. So 
We're moving into the YouTube sphere. We have, don't be too impressed, but 65 followers. Wow. <laughs> Getting famous. So yeah, we're, we're definitely beginning, but I've always loved editing videos. We like making them, you know, years, years before we even built things, we would make videos mm-hmm. and post them on to our personal channel of whatever. So I like to think that our videos are quite good and they're, they're informative and still entertaining. So even if you're not flipping a camper, there's like things that apply to almost anyone in it of just how to use this tool. But also it's not, you know, me being a teacher, I can't help but like teach you things that I've learned, but it's also not, you know, necessarily explicitly how to's. It's more just like come along for the ride and see this thing that we create. And, you know, maybe it'll inspire you. Maybe you'll have questions along the way that we can answer you know, who knows where it's going to go. But, you know, our 65 followers are really showing the love right now. So <laughs> that's all you <laughs> <Doing> encouraged. <laughs> so I ask everybody, what is your favorite tool? And it can be a GTL tool. It could be a tool in your personal life. It could be like a favorite pin. Oh, man, I have so many. Okay, wait, wait. You think of yours, I think of okay. mine. I want yours to influence mine. To influence yours? Yeah, like okay. I want to say mine and I want you to say yours. Okay, one. I think I know. Okay, number one. I'm gonna. Can I give you a few? Of course. Okay. okay amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna name everything. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. You get three. I get three. Okay. Number one, angle grinder. Okay. Yeah. I was for the bus. Just in general. Oh, really? Yeah. I was very scared to use an angle grinder because it shoots out so many sparks. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel so incredibly powerful when oh, I'm yeah. using it because it's like I am slicing through metal like it's butter and like because of the sparks it just seems so much more dramatic so and they're not hard to use yeah and they're not hard to use but it like really makes me feel like I'm in you know do you remember that like deodorant commercial from a long time ago and there's this (laughs) welder and they're like welding something and then they like pull off their mask and it's like big reveal it's this like super hot woman who's a welder and how I feel when I'm using the angle grinder. Aww. I just feel like this like super lovely. amazing welder. So you even though it's not, it's not welding. <laughs> but that's, yeah. So I'll say angle grinder for the way it makes me feel. Um, I was going to say, yeah, we own our own angle grinder now, but that's just because we used it like, we had to rent that out every single week. And it was getting to the point that like, we no practically owned the Guelph Tool Library angle grinder. So we should probably buy our own to not <laughs> hog it. The other thing that we rented out all the time, but interestingly enough, we haven't really used it that much with a trailer build, but I think that's just because we it's haven't been getting into the nitty gritty of building mm-hmm. quite yet, but we will, is a jigsaw. Yeah. Did you know I was going to say that? Yes, I did. And there's this one specific blue jigsaw at the Guelph Tool Library that literally, like, I wish it was my firstborn child. This tool, <laughs> this Jigsaw is the most perfect thing. It's so well aligned and like you can do anything on that guy. We were and you can cut metal, you can cut wood. Like we were more confident with that jigsaw than any other kind of saw. Like we only just bought a table saw literally like four days ago. So, you know, this camper build is getting to be way more legit than our bus build was. But we made almost everything in our whole bus with a drill. A jigsaw and an angle grinder. Like, that's all we needed to make our whole bus, which is ridiculous because it's not, like, a curvaceous bus. Like, straight lines, angle, geometric shapes. 
and we cut almost the whole thing with the jigsaw. Where because if you don't use jigsaw, like jigsaws are meant for cutting curves. Mm-hmm. We cut all of our straight lines with the jigsaw too because the circular saws are just too heavy for us to <laughs> They're, they're so too heavy. heavy. Like, they're yeah. so heavy. And like just to like cut something, you know, and we we're also using a folding plastic table as our workshop bench. So it's mm-hmm. like the whole table would fall over with the weight of the circular saw. But yeah, we just cut everything with that one blue jigsaw at yeah. the Guelph Tool Library and like we bought a jigsaw again because we kept hogging it, and it's. I'm so sad to say it is not as good as that Guelph Tool Library yeah. jigsaw. Like maybe one day I'm just gonna carve the Guelph Tool Library same like number code in the in our jigsaw and just steal the other one and replace. <laughs> just it. replace them never secretly. No, the know. Guelph Tool Library will never find They'll out, know. especially not from this podcast. <laughs> wow. Well, you heard it here. First, folks, the tool library <laughs> has tools that will literally change your life. <laughs> really? Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a super big pleasure to talk to you guys. Well, oh, thanks. Well, anytime. Yeah, and I'm very excited to follow along with your camper renovation on YouTube. I've watched you. your first couple of videos. They were super funny and super just like lighthearted and like the nice part of renovation videos you know yeah yeah we try we try to cut out as much of the fighting as we can but yeah we really love you know again we love making the videos so it's mm-hmm. it's definitely just a side passion and we'd love for people to watch and and come join our small budding youtube family but yeah just because we we love making it and we hope that it's equally as fun to watch you get you can see our passion through the video so and honestly, a lot of it is all thanks to like, Wealth Tool Library, just mm-hmm. to getting us started. Well, we're really happy that we could help facilitate a success for you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, like always, thank you for listening. That was such a fun interview. Em, Jane, and I, I think, talked about a lot of really interesting points when it comes to bus building, but even outside of bus building, just like any really big project that someone could take on. I really resonated with the like super feeling of I can do anything. I know for myself that I will be I'll be watching YouTube videos on bus builds and and renos and and compilations of people's favorite short buses and and all that and I always come out of it having this incredible feeling of like of course I can do this. Another excellent point that I think was brought up was on the accessibility of hobbies and Jane and, and M brought up that their bus build probably wouldn't have been possible without the tool library and that is so really pleasing to hear as a as a volunteer at the tool library but I think it really highlights that projects and hobbies like this can really be a matter of privilege which I think I don't think a lot of people really in that concrete sense of, oh, I, I have a hobby and that's a privilege. An extreme example like this really shows that it is because if you don't have the space in your home to set up a workshop or to store tools, or if you don't have the money to drop a couple hundred dollars on some tools before you start a project, it really makes it that much harder um, and that much more inaccessible for people to make space for in their lives. And so I just thought that was an interesting point to highlight. I think that this episode is great for anyone who has been thinking even slightly about the bus life and it's becoming much more popular, I think, even in the year that I've had my bus. I think I've had another five or six friends buy vehicles with the intention of living out of them. And it is becoming much more of a, I think, option for people as they realize, or at least my reasoning was, I can't really afford rent for the next 10 years and also save up for a place of my own. So my idea was to spend a year or two's worth of rent 
and invest that into a bus so that I could hopefully sometime in the future buy some land for myself. But this episode really touches on a lot of aspects of, of the bus life that I think that people should really know about before they start getting into it. And Camp Lovesick, just I just want to stress, a 20-day build is one of the craziest things that I've ever heard. Most people take years to plan and build their buses. A lot of people use it as retirement plans. I think the, the second shortest conversion that I've heard of is four months, and that was seen as very short. So that puts into perspective how crazy a 20-day build would be. That's not really something you plan for. If you're interested in learning more about bus life, I really suggest starting with Camp Lovesick. I think that they are actually a really great resource for people who have an interest living out of a bus, whether that is for themselves or just maybe because it looks interesting. Um, but their videos and blog posts are incredibly entertaining, very easy to follow, and super informative without feeling like I'm studying. It's an enjoyable knowledge, you know, I'm really interested in learning. And their camper is done! The camper that they've started working on is completed now. Um, as of this weekend, they started open houses for it, which is very incredible. So you can see the entire journey of their camper rebuild. Um, on their YouTube and on their website, and it is really, really interesting to watch. They did an amazing job. It looks so beautiful and modern. They started with like this old, very 80s, 90s looking camper. If anyone has grandparents with a trailer, you will know the type of decor that I am hoping to project into your brain. Yeah, they did an, a, an incredible job. It looks so good. So you should definitely check that out. There will be a link in the blog post. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you.